Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. I know I've said this often. Well, hello, Sway. Hey, Steve. Um, so, uh, Sway is joining me for special purposes right now. Um, but Chris, uh, our Hope of Hope, co-hosts this episode with me. And um, I just have to say, Sway, as you know, um, we I think everyone we have on Unashamed is just the freaking best in the coolest. But th- f- this episode, for sure, legend status. Right. Like big moves in the game, right? I'm not talking about some young blood out of Atlanta or Texas who has some hot rhymes and some dope beats. I'm talking like heavy hitters level. I'm talking heavy Tupac, hitters. Biggie, Jay Z, Dr. Dre level hitters. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? That's who they are in recovery. Did you go to the recovery hall of fame? Bronze statues of these two people. Yes, absolutely. So uh, this episode, we talk about SAL. SA Lifeline, the foundation. Bruh. Oh! <laughs> right? Um, and so my favorite form of the 12 steps, um, and the foundation is going on, be doing some of that. And the episode, we didn't even talk about the retreats for women that they're doing. Right. Um, just getting into so many different things that um, are just changing lives. You can find a meeting every day of the week online anywhere anywhere right so have them in person um bonus content was cool they talked about where people get stuck in recovery how to work on that and the episode we're talking about foundation um uh real wrote a book so it's yes real if you haven't read it it yet read it now so uh excellent book so and they had a big announcement that they are that um now available they have put together a workbook, which is like the 30,000, like the manual of like 30,000 foot holistic recovery. And so I'm not doing it justice. Steve, Steven talks about it on there. Listen to the episode. Yeah, they let, do them do let, let them do it. Let them do it. it. Let, let do the it. legends do their thing. But both of those are really good. And follow us on social media at Unashamed and Afraid. We're going to do giveaways for both Reels Book and and the manual. So we're going to be giving some of them away. Um, so uh, Facebook so, and Instagram in particular. Yeah. So us. this this episode is special to me um, for several reasons. Um, which is why you pushed Chris out of the way. That's which exactly Which is not why. easy to do. Yeah, out of all of right us, next to me Chris and I'm just is the like, one boop. who hits the weight room more than any of us. It's true. So uh, Sway had to hustle for this moment. So this better be good. Yeah. So, um, man, when I first started in recovery, I tried... Um, you know, different 12 step. And uh, when it finally came down to it, SAL 12 step is what hit home for me. Um, If it wasn't for this particular 12 step program, I would not have found real recovery. And almost as important is I remember there was a time Rachel and I are in the middle of our separation. Um, I'm living in this, if you haven't heard of my episode, I'm living in this dank hole of an apartment. Which is a great story, by the way. Right. Swain, Rachel, so, you should go listen to that if you haven't. So I'm living in this dank hole. I've been reading some of Real's book. I've watched several of their, um, of their videos. Um, and I remember just vividly, um, God saying to me, this can be your story. Mm. This can be very much what your story is like. And you just have to be willing to go through the pain. And I remember I called Rachel shortly after. I don't even know if she's going to remember this. And she, I could tell in her mind, she's like, that's bullshit. She might have even said it. And I don't. Of course, we know Rachel. Right, of course, of she, course said she said it. it. Right. She's like, I don't believe it. Sounds like shit. I don't want to hear it. I'm out. Right. And, you know, here we are three years, four years later. And, um, you know, we're 
we're in it, we're in the battle and it's still rough every day, but man, we battle through and it's because of people, not because of people like it's because of legends and real legends, their example, their, their openness brought that moment, you know, that moment with God for me and our path. Yeah. So we don't deep dive into their story in this episode, but just go to the website, right? It's all there. So it is sal12step.org and salifeline.org. So their stories there, they've done a great video. Um, and they have, they have one of those stories that I, um, and we talked about when we get in the episode, I'm like, at the time, probably people didn't believe you, and and now it's just crazy, just legend. I don't know what else to say about. There's this. nothing else incredible to say. Incredible people, the work they're doing, incredible, and um, love these meetings, right? Yes. Here's the thing about twelve step. It's free. Yeah. There's a meeting right now. Pause this episode. Go to the website and go. Yep. Do it. But then come back and listen to this episode and give us five <laughs> stars on iTunes because that's how the world views us. Um, the bonus content is awesome. As always, we invite people to become outsiders. Do it. That's by donating to NR donations, right? We are a 501c3, so nonprofit. So all donations go to fund people recovery. So you can go to our scholarships page and apply for a scholarship. Or if you'd like to create a scholarship, you can do both. So we have scholarships right now for therapy retreats, different things. So that's where the money goes in our outsiders, right? They're in that 12th step is the act of recovery. And they're those who are bold, accepted, and they're unashamed. And so if that's you and you want to be doing something, come be an outsider, come be an outsider with us and you can do it. it. Get the bonus content and do some of the other cool things. I'll give Chris the mic back. Thanks, Steve, for letting me do this. These guys are awesome. And Legends. Welcome to the Recovery Hall of Fame as we sit down with Stephen and Real Crowshaw. Real. The Living Legends. Steve, don't roll your eyes, Real. <laughs> Steve and Real Crowshaw, thank you for coming in tonight. We're happy to be here. We are happy to be here, especially to be alive. I don't know the legends part, but we're, we are here in real life, Steve. <laughs> Chris knows they're legends. Yep, I absolutely. Know legends. People listen to their legends. So, um, you just—we have so much that you have to just tell us. Like, so, so first off, we can go to the website, right? Hear your guys' story. They have a great video talking about their story. So, incredible story, uh, akin to Chris and Autumn really right of just at a point in time you guys were in a place where kind of no one would probably have bet on you exactly and now you're in a place where people may not even believe that the story's real (laughs) actually today i i said somebody wants to be my friend on facebook and i don't do facebook i haven't put anything on there in five years but somebody wants to be my friend and maybe they just want to see if we're still together (laughs) <laughs> you know surprise we surprise. are surprise uh, oh they're still together hmm okay well, what do you know right. well if you one of the primary reasons we started the foundation is because most people who have experienced what we have as far as betrayal and addiction would not be together and so the the uh, importance of understanding that there is a pathway to recovery and marriages, relationships can re- recover. Uh, relationships can recover um, as individuals recover. And our hope was that that it would be possible for us to be able to share our story of how we were able to discover important pathways to recovery and share those. Because we had tried many, many times to... I personally had tried recovery for um, three times specifically prior to my last effort 15 years ago and failed. And so when I finally came to understand that there is a pathway and began to work that pathway, it was worth sharing with others. So there's sharing, right? Like Chris and Autumn go and do a fireside and share. And then there's a freaking foundation, (laughs) So a lot of people share, right? They share their story. They share with friends. They share with family. They continue to go to meetings, right? Facilitate, work the steps, right? And they reach out. But like you guys, 
have created the foundation, right? And so much, so tell us like, how was that just kind of an organic thing that slowly grew? Or like, did you have this vision from the beginning? Like, how, how did we get here? How did the foundation start? I was a student at BYU, the old grandma, <laughs> very much a, a non-traditional student. And I was in a class, uh, a marriage class. Go figure, right? It's like, whoa, if these young people knew our story, they'd be freaked out. And, um, and So student, were you in that class to try to figure out like your marriage? No, I, it was part of my, uh, you know, I, t- I took the class as part of my my studies yeah, because I was yeah. oh, okay. my undergrad. And th- this was probably about 14, 13 years ago. And there was an assignment that I had to, and my my husband could come with me, and he came to a lot of the classes. And there, the assignment at the end was to put together a community-based program for marriages. And so Stephen and I talked about, we were a couple of years into recovery work, and uh, we talked about the possibility of helping other couples find find recovery and uh, because we wanted to give people hope. And so understanding that had been really, um, and just using that kind of impetus from that class, uh, it was very, very, we, we didn't have it all together at all. But uh, a little over 11 years ago, we were actually at a church breakfast <laughs> sitting with a couple who had been in our community for quite some time. And he knew that I was going to school and my focus was on addiction recovery, sexual addiction recovery. They had no idea of our story. And um, and Stephen and I had started talking. Stephen had been on, started a nonprofit or was part of a nonprofit in Logan, Utah. And you can jump in when you want, dear. <laughs> but when we You're were at that, when we were at that breakfast, this man and his wife said, "What do you want to do?" And I think it was Stephen said, "We want to start a." a nonprofit foundation to help people just know there's hope for recovery from sexual addiction. And he said, do you know what I do? This man sitting across the table. We said, no, we don't. He was older than us. And he said, I'm an attorney and I set up nonprofit foundations. And we knew in that moment that God's hand was in this. And so for the next six months, he worked and worked, and his wife became part of it. He gave his all of his time, his attorney's time, his expertise, pro bono to this foundation. And I remember he called me at least three times in, the, in that amount of months as we worked together. Yeah. And he said, are you really going to do this? It's like, I don't know. What, a, what does really do this so. mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And he said, no, really. Are you going to do this? Are you going to be committed to this? I said, yes. And, and, but we had no idea what that looked like. Yeah, and uh, as you know, we, we, we uh, became a nonprofit this year, yeah, Unashamed. And I'm just feeling like, the counter-transference empathy, because I'm like, it was hard to set up. I thought it was going to be easy. I'm not going to lie. That's just me. But um, I was like, yeah, you just get an attorney and do it. Because like, I've set up LLCs and business reset. I'm like, yeah, you just like set it up, go in and out of the county, and you're good. Like, And then it was like a whole different ball of wax. So it, your commitment level's tested. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so that was over 11 years ago. And really, all that we had, we our daughter actually found this picture of the horseman riding to the uh, through the snow to offer hope to the Willie and Martin Hancock company. Mm-hmm. And all they had was one of them had an onion in his pocket. And that was the picture that we started with. This was our vision. We're, we're running ahead just to say there's hope. There's help coming. We don't know what that help looks like exactly. We'd been doing therapy 
Stephen was doing 12-step. I had not started doing 12-step at that point. Um, we were reading everything we could find. So we were trying to understand what that help looked like, but we didn't think we could offer it. And in fact, we didn't actually want to offer it. We, cer- <laughs> we certainly didn't want to be in the therapy business. And, sure. um, and it has progressed and grown. Uh, we would have never imagined this right. 11 years ago. Right. And so tell us about the the growth. Stephen, tell us like what, I, there's so many facets to it right now. Like tell us for those who don't know, like what does the foundation do, right? What's what 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 have you gotten into in well, the last our, eleven years? Our initial effort was to provide education, along with hope, uh-huh. and so we were uh, able to establish relationships uh, with uh, Doctor Donald Hilton, who an author of a of a book that he had written but not published. Um, He's amazing. He is an amazing man, very committed to the work of understanding from a science standpoint, uh, sexual addiction. So he had written the manuscript, and um, in a very unusual way, we were introduced. It was God's hand again in in the opportunity for us to meet. And uh, I offered to to him to help in in the publishing and distribution of his book. And that was an important part of our initial effort to help give people understanding of sexual addiction and recovery. So we were providing education. We started a numerous 12-step groups, actually with SA and, and SNON. We, uh-huh. we evolved into that because we had space available that we could offer for people to meet. So we started the, the 12-step meetings essentially because we wanted to provide that part of recovery but did not necessarily see ourselves as deeply involved as we have become. So we were starting meetings uh, with Sexaholics Anonymous materials and SNON materials under their umbrella. After a time, the education and then the work with starting 12-step meetings evolved into SAL 12-step meetings. And that evolution was natural in that we were starting numbers of meetings and it, it was uh, something that we recognized we needed to make some specific guidelines for safety. And in doing so, uh, felt like we needed gender-specific meetings, uh, which we do, which is a big part of what SAL now offers as far as 12-step is concerned. So meaning it's not addict meetings, support meetings, it's that and it's gender-specific. Yeah, so men's act- only, women only meetings. Men's meetings, just so everyone's women's clear. meetings. That's correct. So, which is huge because I remember going to an essay meeting where a woman or two women came in there, and I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I don't need you in here, knowing that you have a sexual addiction too." Yeah. So the changes of the dynamic. Essay uh, actually believes that there's value in the mixed meetings. Sal uh, believes there's safety in in having them gender specific. And we actually, when we made the determination that we needed to start our own meetings, there was a recognition that God is at the center of recovery. And we, we believe it's important to pray in the beginning and the end of a meeting from a heart. Uh, it, it isn't a prayer that is of a specific religion, but it is a recognition that we invite God's presence in the meeting. And so that, along with gender-specific and the need for safety, um, and also um, the recognition that there is a pathway that's parallel for both men and women, really prompted us to move into the SAL uh, format that now SA Lifeline sponsors. And there's there's live meetings, and then there's also online meetings, right. phone meetings, right? Right. So and not and not just we're recording this and putting this out during COVID time, right. but even pre COVID, just because if I live in wherever Oklahoma, Brazil, and I can't get to a meeting in person. I can still find that meeting, right? Through, right. Through online, online meetings, uh, Zoom is the platform, and they have become extremely successful, and numbers of people are attending from all over the world. So uh, we will we'll have people literally from various countries on a meeting in a given night. So that gives us an opportunity to have a, a worldwide outreach. Right. And people can participate no matter where they are, and we make 
uh, we, we make that platform available and for people to plug into at no charge. So the yeah. great thing about SAL is it's a program that's offered at no charge. People participate mm -hmm. at their own pace and they attend meetings of their own choice. Each meeting is autonomous, but one of the important tenets of SAL is although the meetings are autonomous, we have structure that is an outline of how a meeting is to be be operated, right. what the script is, and what the standards are for the meeting's operation for safety. And so if a group, which is autonomous, wants to be under the SAL umbrella, there are uh, certain guidelines that, that they need to follow. And those guidelines um, are are well established. And, and when a group understands what they are and wants to participate under the SAL plan or right. flag, then, then they're welcome to do so, and we'll provide necessary materials, etc. And uh, it wouldn't surprise you if Stephen Croshaw himself just pops into one of those meetings every once in a while. Well, I attend. So, I attend meetings every week, sometimes two, sometimes three. Yep. Sure. Yep. And so, I attend my meeting every Thursday morning. Uh, we've had a women's betrayal trauma recovery meeting for about eight years at our home every Thursday morning. Oh, cool. Whether we're there or not, <laughs> the ladies know how to come. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and and, um, and so the part of it, what happened in this the pro progression of this whole thing was we didn't understand betrayal trauma early on. Well, it's been fifteen years this August um, for Stephen actually starting to actively work recovery, mm -hmm. and at that point. Nobody re really was talking about betrayal trauma. We heard some about codependency. It never felt like that fit for me. Right. I have codependent behaviors. I know that I do. And I, I recognize those. But the trauma that I felt from his behavior and the betrayal right. was real. And it was actually outside in this parking lot where a therapist was leaving about the same time after we had told our story. And she stopped us and she said, Rill, are you aware that you've had more trauma than most women? And I I looked at her and went, what? By the way, in the parking lot of Lifestar. Can you yeah, see the, hanging the parking lot of... <laughs> the parking lot of where? Walmart. Yeah. Walmart? Costco? Somebody church? stopped me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right out here. Yeah. And... It was surprising to me, and it was the first time I'd ever heard this term, betrayal trauma. Yeah. And, and so, as, as we had started meetings, and we had essay meetings and SNN meetings in our space, in our office building, um, it has become, as Stephen has mentioned, we talk about a parallel pathway to recovery. That is parallel for a betrayed spouse and an addict husband. And that parallel pathway, our, the motto for SA Lifeline is recovering individuals, healing families. And we feel like we are yeah. a little unique in that yeah. because we don't just want individuals to recover. We are very family-oriented. Family is the key and the foundation to our society, we believe. And so when that, when a couple can heal on their, you know, she heals, he heals, and then you heal a marriage, the, the children in that family have a much, much better chance of being healthy, moving forward with confidence and courage, all the things that we want our children to have. We have seven children and 25 grandchildren. Within minutes, we could have Tw two more because we're expecting twin twin babies any minute now uh, of grandchildren, and so awesome. that's critical for us yeah. as a family, recovering uh, individuals, healing families, because this often is a this is a family disease. Quite often, uh, you have I would say always yeah, and members of family who continue on for generations. We want to be this place where it stops and it turns around it heals well and that that's one of the things that autumn talks about with lifestar where that 
really what kind of changed her perspective on this where um, they lined them up and did the family of origin and had everybody line up behind Autumn for who was addicted in her family, not just a pornography, but addiction in general, had everybody line up. And there we had like half, more than half the class behind her. And then the other half was behind me. And Dorothy was like, this is where you repair the breach. Because of you guys doing this, you can change the generations that come after you. Yes. And it really just affected her, affected me as well. And it's just like just like you're saying, that that's really why we're doing what we're doing. He's really educating them, helping them understand, hey, it's okay to um to talk about this stuff and, and deal with this addiction so that it doesn't carry on through those generations forever. I, I remember being in these offices about fourteen 14- 15 years ago right. and I'm I'm the mom you know it's the I'm, I'm very much family oriented and I said to our therapist how am I going to teach my kids not to be addicts and not marry addicts that was my big question and he said you won't teach them they will watch you and I was like it's your oh, actions darn man. actions speak louder than words and that's going to take a lot <laughs> longer than two, a two hour message right yeah but that has something that after 15 years of this work um our families knows what we do they know our story our grandchildren have sat with us when they're about 13 and older they uh they sit with grandma and grandpa and their parents and they hear our story and it's awesome we've had a grandson come up with tears in his eyes and say, Grandpa, whenever I'm tempted, I'll remember you. And that's the kind of healing that we hope will happen because our children are, we can't prevent this, but we want to protect them as much as we can. And and you're stepping on one of my favorite quotes. So I have to give a shout out to uh, my boy, Mr. Bankhead, is the one who shared this with me. I didn't find this. So um, it's from a, a Carlfred Broderick. Um, who's a therapist in Utah County, um, uh, passed away a while ago. He said, Indeed, my experience in various church callings and in my profession as a family therapist has convinced me that God actively intervenes in some destructive lineages, assigning a valiant spirit to break the chains of destructiveness in such families. Although these children may suffer innocently as victims of violence, neglect, and exploitation, through the grace of God, some find the strength to metabolize the poison within themselves, refusing to pass it to future generations. Before them were generations of destruction and pain. After them, the line flows clear and pure. Their children and their children's children will call them blessed. In suffering innocently that others may not suffer, such persons to some degree become saviors as on Mount Zion by helping to bring salvation to a lineage. And I believe I married one of those valiant spirits. I think you both are those valiant spirits. You know, we have actually talked about being given the opportunity to work together in understanding recovery, working recovery, and then sharing our story, which isn't about bringing attention to ourselves, but more attention to the reality of addiction, the reality of trauma, and the opportunity to work recovery and heal. And hopefully that is our entire purpose, is that in sharing our story, that that represents the, that God intervenes in the lives of those who have a willing heart. I think that is our story, and, and uh, it takes a willing heart. It takes a, a, a recognition that on, on my own, I had to realize that on my own, I could not deal with addiction successfully and work recovery in, in um, hiding and attempting uh, time and time again to recover. So I think that that our message is one that there is opportunity for recovery. It has to be done in the open and with the help of others. We don't share our story with the idea that everyone should go public 
in a general way as we have, but there are certain people who need to know right. and so that help can be found. But if you want to go public, I know a podcast. Yeah, you can do <laughs> and that. And you can send us an email. And what, we'd love uh, to have you come and share your story of recovery. So what, reach out to us. What, what Rail didn't say, what she didn't mention is she was taking this class where the idea was actually introduced to start this community program. And we had no idea what that meant. But that in that group with that class was the first time that I shared my story publicly. Uh-huh. So we made the decision that we would share our story. There's a lot of silence in the room when we share our stories. If you want to come to a really reverent class, go someplace where we're sharing our story because no one says anything. But the uh, that was the impetus. Curiously, uh, this is a side, side note. In that same class was um, a woman who was uh, a spouse of one of the founders of Fight the New Drug. So something oh, wow. a little interesting was happening in that Someone's class. Someone was in the I, water in that I, class. <laughs> God was showing I, up I, on I, campus for that. That's yeah. a, kind of an interesting sidelight note. But um, SA Lifeline, and, and, and maybe getting back to the relationship between SA Lifeline and SAL, SA Lifeline is the public uh, uh, foundation that, that we are able to function in a public way, and that's where we tell our story. SAL is anonymous. Uh, And so when we are working within the SAL format, we are working with brothers and working with sisters in recovery by first name only, and we do it anonymously. And so we follow uh, essentially the traditions of AA in that these groups are anonymous and autonomous. So help me pin this down. Because now I'm like, I hope I've said this to everyone right when I share this, Chris, when I tell people about SAL and that they should go to a meeting. So I put like um, like the LDS Church's ARP on one end of the spectrum and SA on the other end of the spectrum. And so when people are like, uh, I just feel like the the LDS Church's one is kind of watered down or boring. I'm like, well, you should go to an SA meeting. That'll mix it up for you, right? Because <laughs> it's much more raw, right? It's like, you're not getting out of there without someone being like, why don't you have a sponsor? Here's five phone numbers. You have to call someone this week. You're not working recovery. Where, right, the church is very, it's like, God, feel the love. No one's going to talk to you. You can walk in and out, right? And, there, and there's purpose for both, right? I'm not, I mean, there's, there is purpose for both. Um, I put you guys like right in the middle of that spectrum where it's like, some of that rawness, right? That it's not, it's not mixed gender, right? It's not, but it's not so far the other way. Would you say I'm describing you accurately? Um, let me add some to yeah. that. No, to, that's what I want. I'm like, I'm like, this is, yeah. If we look at SAL, our effort is to follow closely the the concepts of the spiritual nature of recovery as identified initially in the big books big book of alcoholics anonymous right and with a study of the big book it's recognized that addiction is spiritual recovery is spiritual and god is at the center of recovery so if if i was going to specifically identify sal closely with another 12 step program i would identify us closer with aa but recognizing that the issue is not uh, alcohol addiction, right. the issue is lust and sexual addiction. Right. And so we we are very focused on the concept of the spiritual nature of recovery and that God is at the center of that. The God of our understanding. The God of our understanding. Right. That we're because not everybody, we yeah. are non-denominational, right. but not everybody, even in a particular religion, sees God personally the same way as another person. Right. And we, we have found that uh, to be very clear as we've worked with people from all over the world right. and of different religions. And, and so we see this, this is a spiritual program, just as AA is, of course, ARP uh, and, and SA, SNN. But one of the things, you know, beyond gender specific, we allow prayers from the heart. We also allow people to share from their own personal religious experience, although no proselyting is, yeah. is part of our script. And, and so that people can share their their journey of spiritual growth. And so I, I think you're you're right uh, that it maybe is somewhere in the middle. Uh, there are some differences of, 
uh, from both, and we hope that it's it's a hybrid of both. Um, well, I, I think it's the best of all worlds. That's what I, I really mean by so. the middle. It's not that you're shortchanged somewhere. I mean, in my opinion, and if I'm being honest, right, when we started in our bonus content, we're working the 12 steps ourselves, me and James and, and Joe. And so when I pick a meeting for me, it's an SAL meeting. So, I, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I could choose. And But it's important for us to recognize that we give a lot of credit to those that have gone before us in both AA and SA and SNON. Uh, SAL utilizes the the materials from Alcoholics Anonymous, right. the big book, and the 12 and 12. We also utilize publications from Sexholics Anonymous, the white, right, the white book, right. and the Step Into Action. And we are soon to introduce um, our own manual. It's a working manual of understanding how to... Insert drum roll. There we go. Yes. Because <laughs> the manual is outlining recovery from a broad perspective. It is based upon working recovery and, and including 12-step. But we also emphasize that recovery, working recovery is is also uh, beyond 12-step qualified therapy, education, proper boundaries. And, and so that people that are, are, are understanding that there is a need for the spiritual basis of recovery, there's also an, a very important need to understand some of the psychological issues associated with recovery. And so we are, we are as a foundation, as SA Lifeline, pushing what we call the recovery puzzle, which includes qualified therapy, which includes the spiritual basis of recovery of working 12-step. And we emphasize SAL 12-step. We emphasize the importance for education. I literally, every single person that I meet that is coming to an SAL meeting for the first time has very, very little understanding of what recovery really takes. There's a lot of pain Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of shame oftentimes, a lot of fear. And so uh, our goal through the foundation of SA Lifeline is to help people understand that here is a pathway to recovery. And we then understand that there there really was not a 12-step program that we felt like added the most value and that we could, we could do that. And so with SAL, we made that contribution and we think that the elements that are found in SAL are really coming up with all of the elements that that create a safe place to work the spiritual program of recovery. One of the unique things uh, that I have found is that SAL women's betrayal trauma recovery actively work 12-step. Now we think that only addicts need to do that, right? Right. But what, what we've discovered this parallel pathway is that when we as betrayed spouses, we as women, work the 12 steps, our lives become much more calm, serene, directed. We feel more courageous. And we can deal with a lot of uh, stuff, stuff, a really fun word. But we understand how to deal with life, the unmanageability of life. Sure. And Is so, it because you understand a lot more? You understand the whole recovery process, what the addict goes through? Well, it's not about the addict. It's about actually me recovering from my own, from my own trauma and also from my own, like, uh, step seven is giving to God the defects of character that I have. Well, you know, 15 years ago, if some, someone had told me that I was going to make a list of my defects. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? He's got them, and I'm, you know, I've got it together. And But sure. now I recognize through this process how freeing it is for me personally. And, and so whether, uh, whether a woman is separated from, divorced from, a girlfriend of, or married to someone with a sexual addiction, we have found that those women who actively work this recovery come out like the phoenix. Mm-hmm. It's the fire, and nobody wants to be in it. And, but coming, working that, actually brings a much more beautiful, serene, directed woman. And I am so, uh, you know, I'm all about women. (laughs) (laughs) Women have power. Absolutely. When you see the emphasis that SAL and SA Lifeline put on recovery from trauma, 
that also is recognized within the SAL program for men's addiction recovery. Mm-hmm. So in even in the script of the, the men's meeting script, it's recognized that trauma that has been caused by, by right. the behavior, by right. my behavior, um, is something that I need to not just learn and understand, but work to be as sympathetic and even empathetic, empathetic as possible. So uh, we recognize within the work of, of recovery that more and more the recognition that women experience trauma to the degree that there's even post-traumatic stress syndrome present in the lives of many women who have gone through the trauma of betrayal. So so that's a study they're doing, Dr. Skinner, right, at Adobe. They're doing a whole study to to verify the results of this is what someone looks like in with PTSD, and we're seeing these same symptoms. Yeah. Doing a whole right academic study on that. So if yeah. you're if you're participating in an SAL format, there's a recognition on those that are working recovery from sexual addiction that trauma and understanding trauma is part of recovery as well. Right. Um, and that's something that I believe is unique to SAL. Uh, it's touched on in other areas, but certainly not the focus uh, as it is within SAL. We haven't found another 12-step organization that puts the degree of emphasis on understanding recovery of trauma as well as addiction. Right. And that's that's one of the hard things. We, we see questions all the time here on Ashamed, and we talk about it just as a group. And then also as a therapist is people have a hard time figuring out a holistic recovery package right and so they're like well is you know is therapy everything and i'm like well no a lot of people recover and don't even go to therapy it's like well so i gotta do the 12 steps and it's like well the 12 steps are really good but some people never do them and find recovery and so people keep looking like look there should be a manual for how to go about this right and i think the thing that's hard for people and you guys can share with everyone that you've met experiencing recovery is no one's story is actually the same i remember early on here i recorded mac and melissa totally do church differently than i do never been to therapy a day never done the 12 steps they did everything through their church and i remember being like dude their recovery is awesome Right. And then Jason, who's our, our audio guy here, um, is a huge 12 step guy. And so we talk about all the time. He's like, if you don't do the 12 steps, you're dumb. And I'm like, well, I, I haven't done a bunch. So I don't know. Maybe I am dumb, you know? And then, right, for Chris and Autumn, therapy and life is one of the big people. And so people hear that and they go, well, okay, I'll try and follow that gospel. And that may not be the holistic thing for them. And so people get stuck. And so. The, I mean, tell us more about the manual and how that's kind of getting into that, because somewhere where people can have that conversation and, and that understanding, I think can be so helpful. The manual is a, an outline or a description of working recovery as as um, as we illustrated in, in what we call the recovery puzzle. And recovery is, in from our estimation, is we improve our, our, our chances dramatically if it is, in fact, a multifaceted effort. And I, I agree that some people find recovery with just working one element. But we believe But that, I would say that's more the exception, not the yeah. rule in the stories oh, yeah. I've heard. Right. Yeah. We, we believe that there is a synergistic relationship, a very synergistic relationship between qualified therapy and working the 12 steps with a program of working the 12 steps that understands lust and trauma. Mm -hmm. So with that, uh, it's interesting. I'm going to tell a very brief story and then we'll get on to the manual here. But I real and I gave a presentation at one of the schools, uh, one of the schools, uh, their color is blue and they've got a Y on their hats and stuff. Anyway, anyway, we were were given a, (laughs) we were given a presentation. She didn't catch that. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) After we had given our presentation, and in presentations, we always talk about the value of working 12-step. And I talk about my own story and the value of working 12-step myself and how much that's meant to me. Well, after the meeting is over, after our presentation, we're cleaning up our stuff, and a young man comes up to me and right in my face says, 12-step doesn't work. And I said, well, you know, it is... uh, an important part of my recovery. And so I kind of got on this little defensive thing with him because I had just given my 
my great spiel about the value of 12-step. And I realized at that moment that, um, that I was taken back, but I was unprepared to really respond to him because I, I didn't, I wasn't light on my feet with that much of a confrontation. Yeah. And so, um, now had I, if, if I were to have a similar opportunity, I would agree with him and say, you're correct. 12 step does not work. 12 step works when I work it. It's and a program so of action. It's a program of action. And, and it's long-term action. And so if you compare that statement of 12-step does not work with the beginning sentence in chapter 5 of the big book, which says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. That's the first sentence in chapter 5. And so what's the difference between the young man's comment, 12-step doesn't work, to rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. The difference is thoroughly followed our path. And so working 12-step is, is an opportunity for me to understand my relationship with God and how to surrender my will to Him. So I'm understanding unmanageability. Right. I'm understanding that I can't do this on my own. Where is the power to heal? And so I'm beginning to learn to understand that. And then I'll progress all the way to the point where I'm then ready to help someone else. And ultimately, that's where great healing takes place, when I'm able to share my own experience and help someone else. Right. So with that and the, the sharing of our experience, the manual is exactly that. It's based upon our understanding of the work of recovery of a, that includes working 12-step, SAL 12-step, working with a qualified therapist with a period of, for a period of time, <clears throat> um, understanding addiction and understanding trauma through education. And so an, an education format that, that there are many, many great uh, books written by professionals and people who have gone through this totally. that are of great value. So we help people find those and understand those. We also emphasize the importance of boundaries. And that if people are able to establish boundaries in their life for safety and understand what that means and help in establishing those boundaries, then they're much more likely to stay safe. So we, within the manual, we build on those concepts, and but we put a special emphasis then on how to work SAL 12-step. Yeah. Because we've, we've, in 47 years of marriage... That can't be true, really. You're yeah. only 35. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're, you're smooth. But in 47 years, Stephen could go sober for three years. So I, it's not that I doubt people that just say, well, we did one thing and we're okay. Just for us, we did that. Yeah. We did the a la carte program. We did therapy for a year, and he said he was good. For what we have found... Uh, working our own recovery and then working with thousands of other people. What we have found that this, you're not going to do therapy forever. You're not, you know. I even, hope not, or you need to get a different therapist. <laughs> that's right. A good therapist will, we'll will fire say, you. you've got to yeah. be on your way. Yep. And your education, yeah, you keep learning, and you always set boundaries. But the one thing that we have found that will be long-term recovery, not just sobriety, but long-term recovery is having that connection with 12-step, having that sponsor, having that group. And it's just an, always a reminder that I have been given a gift and I want to give it to someone else, but this is a one-day-at-a-time process. Mm-hmm. And and I, again, I don't want to doubt someone else's experience, but I just know from our experience we did it. We did those things. It did not work long term. Yeah. And so that's why that's why even though we're old <laughs> and we love to see these young couples coming up and and they're excited about recovery and they're doing this or that. Right. What we and and that works. But for us after 32 years of marriage, we finally finally well I didn't. He found it. And he, he's, he started going to 12-step. He found the good therapist. He found the education. He started setting his own bottom lines, like, I'm not going to do this and that. And I watched. 
I was just going to watch because our marriage was um, it was it was gone. And so for me, then after that, after a few years, I started. You know, I went to the therapy too, but it really was for him. And so as I started to say, I need to recover from my trauma, and and that is where we are a trauma sensitive right. group. Right. For both her and him, and and then for that family, so I, I, for long term recovery, what we have seen long term is actively working twelve step. Yeah. Got to have a sponsor, work with the group, go to meetings. It doesn't take that much time. You know, I wrote a book, and I put on the front this gently up the stream picture, which we will talk about in the bonus content your book by okay the way. well anyway it doesn't matter because i don't anyway but on the front of that book is this picture and we're both we're in separate boats i thought that oh we're married and we're in this boat together and i always wanted to be synergistic and just working together actually life is we row our own boat and thankfully we're rowing in the same direction yeah. And not everybody's going to choose to do that. And that's okay. And it's, you yeah. know, that's okay. But I yeah. know women who work recovery in spite of the fact that their husband chose to go a different direction. And they they are women who are my heroes, heroines, <laughs> because they are working to not only improve their lives, but their lives of the, the lives of their children. Right. Right. And I, I think you're hitting on something important when you talk about how there can be some changes there and what comes and goes. And right, Steve, with the manual, with it being holistic is when people only know one avenue. So if the only avenue I know, if I go to my congregational leader, pastor, bishop, whoever, and I say, hey, I've got a sex addiction, and they go, oh, you do 12-step for that. And I go to a 12-step group that's anemic. Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, if this is 12-step, because it's the only meeting I've ever seen, so I'm assuming this is what all 12-step is, this See, is what crap. do you mean by anemic? <laughs> right? There, there's three guys there. There's no sobriety, right? The meeting starts. I went to right. a, a general addiction meeting a couple months ago, and it was like on noon on a Friday. And so I'm like, this has to be a reasonably attended meeting, you know, Friday. I showed up. It was me, the facilitators who weren't even, had no addict experience. They were just, they were just called by their church to facilitate that. And um, one other guy. And I was like, a lot of strength I'm drawn from this group. Not that those three people are bad people, but that's different than showing up to a group with 10 or 12 people and at least three or four have substantial sobriety yeah, and yeah. connection. And so then all of a sudden now, it's the kid walking up to you at BYU saying, hey, 12-step doesn't work. And it's like, you're right, the meeting you went to doesn't. Or therapy, right? I hear that as people come in and they're like, I went to therapy, it was a waste of time, it was damaging, it was, and my response is, it probably was. Yep. Right? Or what and so if I can look at if I can have an opportunity to see it from a holistic view, that's perspective, right? It can help get perspective because so many people they have the courage to start recovery stories that we've heard on here, right? Of these false starts. It's because they didn't have a holistic perspective. So they go to that one twelve step and they go, Oh, this doesn't work. I, I guess I'm stuck. And they go back into hiding and back into act mode or they go to therapy and they go to a therapist and it's a bad experience or shaming. And then they're like, well, if a professional can't help me, nothing's going to work. And then they go back into hiding where if I had a holistic view from the get go, right, if I had this manual and I could say, wait, there's like five different things here and they come and go and it's different. And then I could approach those individual experiences and not get lost in one bad experience or a culturally bad experience or a shaming experience. That's, Stay on the path. Yeah. And what you're outlining here is not every 12-step group is created equal. Not every 12-step um, program is created equal. Not every therapist is qualified. Yep. And so we have an, a need to raise the bar of a level of understanding of those who are really in a position to help others who are seeking help. So for those that are seeking help, they'll oftentimes go to, they may go to a therapist, they may go to their ecclesiastical leader, they may go to a friend. Mm -hmm. Where are the resources that are really going to be helpful? And that's where I believe it's our responsibility to make sure that our message is made as clear 
and available as possible. That when we talk about therapy, we talk about qualified therapy. When we talk about 12-step, we talk about understanding the values of 12-step that are based specifically on the issue that I'm dealing with. So if I'm right. dealing with lust, what does that mean? And how can I how can I how can I work to recover, work and live recovery from lust? And the same from trauma. So we we have a, we got a big job ahead of us because sure majority do. of people do not understand what recovery takes, and a good share of the people who need to know, which are most, are uh, that are seeking help don't know where to go. So we need to get the message out, and obviously, what you're doing with your podcast and sharing your your story and we sharing our story is yeah. an effort to help people understand that indeed there is qualified help available and we can help you find that if your heart's in the right spot. Amen. Um, I, Amen. I need to make one comment going back just a bit. I have a lot of respect for a therapist in Colorado. His name is Doug Weiss. Mm-hmm. And he... He said, if you're not working recovery, you're working on your next relapse. Mm -hmm. That's a quote from him that suggests that we always need to be vigilant. And in the Alcoholics Anonymous big book, it talks in a very similar way that we need to be continually working recovery because we're vulnerable as addicts to relapse if we're not always vigilant. That's one of the values of working 12-step is that it gives us a format to continue our work of recovery. And oftentimes that looks like helping others, which is one of the most powerful ways of staying in recovery, of living in recovery. And And that's the 12-step, right? Yeah, right. And it's free. (laughs) And it's free, right? And I would tell you, um, if I could summarize what you just said, that process of continuing to change ourselves and turn our will more over to God. In the addiction world, we use the word recovery, in the more religious sense, it's called being Christian and being a disciple of Christ, right? That's the goal. So no matter where you're on that spectrum, some use the word sanctification, some call it the covenant path, right? Different denominations call it different thing. But if you're Christian, you just believe in this, right? Like it's yeah. not, it's a bet. There's no point of arrival, right? We arrival when, when I'm reunited with him after this life, like that's, uh, yeah. that's I'm arrival, <laughs> right? When I'm right safely. And so a lot of times with recovery, people go, I don't want to be going to 12 step meetings forever. And what I respond is like, do you want to be a disciple of Christ forever? So maybe your lens is through this, right? And this is how you continue to do that. So a wealth of knowledge, you guys legends period don't argue with me real it's true um and so we'll get into some cool stuff in the bonus content um we're gonna ask steven real we're gonna talk about the book and we're just gonna ask them top of their dome if they had a couple recommendations for you know why recovery works and some of those things we'll do that but we always end uh, our episodes allow people we're super into the music and think music can be powerful so we'll put you on the spot we give everyone an opportunity to end an episode with a song send everyone out so do you have a song that you want to end your episode with I love blessings. Do you know that? By um, yeah, it, it comes from the rain, and uh, I, I, that's a really wonderful Christian song. But um, the one that I have gone to so often is "How Firm a Foundation," and um, the the third and fourth verses of that is that He'll never ever desert me and so that's one of my my go-tos every time I sing that um, I remember how he didn't ever desert me if I felt really alone on my bathroom floor bawling my eyes out but he never deserted me yeah I'm going to take a different path on the song that I'm going to choose I'm going to choose a John Lennon tune, Grow Old Along With Me. Mm. And uh, Rill and I actually sing that song uh, together. And Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the guitar? <laughs> Stephen plays guitar. And so... Uh, Why do you bring it? You can, you can find a variety of uh, covers of the song. It's it, No one's going to guess it's a Lennon tune uh, sung by... Um, Anyway, it, it what it essentially says is 
grow old along with me. The best is yet to be. Yeah. And no, I know we, the song. It's a great song. We uh, we would like to encourage those that are suffering from addiction and trauma to recognize that there is a pathway of recovery, and that once established on that pathway, light begins to grow around us, and a, and the opportunity for healing relationships is built in recovery. That then gives us an opportunity to grow old together. I just believe that there are so many families that are hurting that can heal with the right with the right program of recovery, and they just need to find it. We yeah. need to help them find it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. It's cool Thank to be you. here. So we'll, we'll jump in into uh, both of those songs. You can follow us at Unashamed Unafraid, both Facebook and Instagram. Essaylifeline.org. Right. And for S-A-L, me... SAL12step.org. SAL12step.org. So on both of those, you can get... You can uh, get you to can the other f- one. You can get to the other one. You'll bounce yep. back and forth. There's recovery materials available on both sites. There are uh, meeting schedules on that you can right. find on both sites. We do because no uh, doubt there's probably a meeting happening today. The day that you were listening to this, you could get on the website and find a meeting. You yes. can find a meeting every day of the week in just Utah or other places online. Right. Online, online, you can find. A- you can find it from Dubai, if you would like, online. But we do have meetings in various states, not just Utah, yep. growing. But um, anybody, anytime, find a meeting online, and uh, it will be an uplifting, positive experience. As you find it. So we're going to jump to our bonus content. So we invite you to become an outsider. If you have not, you can go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. If you have an anonymous question, ask us. We want to bring experts on, cool recovery people to answer them. Um, we appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed being here with us, please go to iTunes and give us five stars. That's how the rest of the world can find us. And until we are with you again, please be unashamed and unafraid. Unafraid.